0: everyone, and welcome to a very special bonus edition of National Treasure Hunt, the podcast where the secret lies not only with Charlotte, but also with your co-hosts. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And we are back with another super special, very thought-provoking discussion with one of the actors from National Treasure, Edge of History.
1: Yes, our reach through the cast of Edge of History continues
0: yeah i i always think it's fun when we drop these episodes because we try not to let anyone know they're happening i think i think we're sometimes afraid of jinxing it but when it happens it's like very exciting that we get to deliver these to you and so who knows what other conversations you might be listening to this very season
1: only exciting stuff coming your way
0: Yes, so uh, we will introduce our guests in just a moment, but before we do, Emily, I think you have some business to get out of the way.
1: I do. If you aren't already, please go ahead and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at nthuntpodcast. We are also available for your listening ears on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your pods. You can find information about us and all the work that we do on nthuntpodcast.com. And if you haven't already, please go ahead and pre-order our book, National Treasure Hunt, One Step Short of Crazy, at TuckerDSPress.com.
0: Well, without further ado, we are pleased to bring you a conversation with the one and only Brita Wool. Now, you all know Brita as Billy Pierce's right hand woman Casey Hasler in National Treasure, Edge of History, all episodes now streaming on Disney+. And Brita was one of the lovely folks that we met at the premiere of Edge of History in Hollywood. And I distinctly remember meeting her, Emily, because I remember introducing ourselves and she was like, oh my gosh, you're from a podcast all about this this franchise like she seemed incredulous and I loved it so much
1: yeah she was very surprised but also I just remember having a very positive experience with her so it was really nice to be able to catch up with her in this interview
0: Totally. I mean, I guess we made an impression because she was super happy to join us and we were even happier to have her. And so we don't want to waste too much time. We want to get right into this conversation. So as always, we do want to preview what you're going to get from listening to this conversation. Well, first, of course, we're going to learn a little bit more about the character Casey's backstory.
1: We are also going to learn what it was like for Brita to work with Catherine Zeta-Jones.
0: And this is pretty interesting. Which character dynamic from Edge of History would she like to see explored further in a potential season two of the show? So all that and so much more is coming your way in just a few moments. Before we turn it over to Brita, I just have to say how grateful and impressed Emily and I both were about how naturally she was able to just like kind of fit into the flow and the vibe of National Treasure Hunt. Like she's clearly done a lot of thinking about the morals and the ethics and the bigger picture conversation that was happening in Edge of History and with her character. And we're excited to bring that to you. So please join us in welcoming Rita Wool to National Treasure Hunt. We are thrilled to be joined today on the National Treasure Hunt podcast by the one and only Brita Wool, who you all know as Casey (laughs) in National Treasure Edge of History. Brita, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you ladies. This is awesome.
0: The pleasure is truly ours and we cannot wait to bring this conversation to our listeners they're going to love hearing from you um I think your character is very very cool and so different from the hench people we've seen on the franchise previously so um so much to discuss but before we dive into the specifics we want people to have a chance to get to know you as a person a little bit better first so um yeah. I mean, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you even came to be in this business?
2: Oh, man. Um Well, it all began as a, we taught. No, I, uh, I'm uh, of Irish immigrants. Um My dad's from Cork and I grew up in Illinois, Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. I was the daughter of academics, some professor daughters. My dad was uh chemical engineering and my mom's art. And um how did I get into this business? I don't know. I, I like I was very, very drawn to um the arts. Like that was my game. I did like performance art and fine art and painting and drawing and like uh writing, poetry, like a lot of singing playing musical instruments like this is my game Mm -hmm. it always has been and so my dad always uh was very encouraging that if you can figure out a way to make your childhood game your vocation then you've like you know paved a path towards happiness Mm -hmm. cut to 2023 after making national treasure and i'm like actually this uh like all good games the the deeper and heavier it gets the um more you're like wait what am i what am i doing <laughs> Can we curse on this thing I can't remember.
0: You can because we're going to dub Ben Gates screaming haggis over it
2: Oh okay yeah well eventually in your life and maybe this is for every vocation you go what the fuck oh, f- am i doing Yeah so uh this this uh acting thing is kind of in I also produce and I've written some stuff but like this, there is no pinnacle. There is no apex. The second you arrive, there's just another, um, another apex around the corner that you have to, uh, that you have to mount.
0: That is so interesting to hear it, to hear it described that way. Um, do you want to shout out any of your previous projects that our listeners might know you from?
2: Oh, um, well, Mr. Mercedes is, uh, I did that right before the pandemic. And then um, I just had a absolutely amazing film come out at Sundance called Birth Rebirth. And um, I was Faith Duluth on Unreal. And what else? I don't know. I have, I have, uh, I've been, I've been at this game for a bit. So there's some stuff. You were saying that you interviewed Dustin Ingram the other week and he and I were on a show, my first show that I ever did called Betas um, on Amazon. And uh, I don't know, I have something very exciting coming up, but I don't think, I think if I talk about it, I might be murdered. Oh
0: no, (laughs) life imitates art, what?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, That was a foreboding of what... uh... Of what happens if I talk about my next job too early But um, Yeah, I'm about to go do that next week But I don't actually think I can talk about it Well, I'm like
1: That's okay, we'll we'll give you something you can talk about (laughs) (laughs) Um, Prior to joining the cast for Edge of History What was your relationship with the National Treasure films? Like, had you watched them? Did you know about
2: them? I hadn't watched them and I hadn't known about them and um I feel like it was like the end of the year and I was about to go uh Christmas break I think or something I was about to go somewhere and it was like oh you have to uh we we want they want to see you for their they're interested in you for this they want to see you for this and I was like oh oh, oh. and I went and I watched uh the first movie and I was like oh man this is like some wild i don't know why i i I think i was like maybe a freshman in college or something when it first came out and i was like watching like moody art house movies in like manhattan like (laughs) i was watching like i don't know some french um but yeah i i went and i watched it and i mean it's a lot of fun it's a lot of I also really loved that I was like Googling a bunch of the facts during it. And right? um, I love, um, I don't know. It was a fun, it, it, I mean, you guys are a, a huge fan, so I don't have to explain to you why it's good. No,
0: <laughs> certainly not. Um, and I love that you said that you found yourself Googling the facts because that was one of the impetus points for our podcast was, you know, people asked us from the beginning, how do you create? an indefinitely long podcast out of two movies or two movies and now a show um and we're like well when there's so much to research and there's so much to dive into to learn if it's true or not i mean that gives you a lot of fodder you know
2: yeah this series had a lot of education for me uh the entire alamo like trying to find out about the alamo was like i i I guess i like I think the 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 west of America the history I've been living in California for like 12 years now and the history out here is absolutely wild mm-hmm. and the history of Texas and like the uh, you know pioneers and the indigenous people that were here and the you know the, the that entire territory of Texas and like all of these sort of rewritten history and it's a very interesting time because we're in a time right now where history is on the docket for manipulation for the future i guess it always is (laughs) i guess that's always the case but it's definitely a, a topic that people are looking at and so it was fun to learn about malinche actually it was that was one that i was like oh okay and um i mean even like um the mosaic uh there's like an uh, uh, episode seven i think there's um uh what's his name's mosaic that she sell that billy sells at the uh the story behind that piece of art is like incredible and so that and and also like i had watched a, a ton of documentaries about the um the art trade the like antiquities art trade and how western co- countries and civilizations have sort of used it as uh, you know they've basically stolen all these artifacts from countries around the world and then put them in museums and like they're they're we're protecting them you know what I mean? <laughs> and mexico like uh can we please have that back um and so it's this very and so the amount of uh artifacts that are actually not even in museums of world history is so huge it's absolutely incredible so i love that whole aspect in this in this series of billy being a. Uh, you say it's illegal but no, there's nobody really regulating it there's no police it's like the illegal antiquities trade but there's no like there's no police that are busting up those things that's why they're in in film and tv always depicted as like held in the back room of the museum
0: right totally <laughs> totally yeah that's absolutely fascinating um And so you mentioned Billy is obviously very adjacent and connected to your character of Casey. So I'm wondering, before we dive into the Casey-Billy relationship, which I'm really interested in discussing further, when you, you know, took on this role, what backstory, if any, were you given for your character? And Beyond that, like, do you end up creating additional backstory for yourself to inform the role as you're playing it?
2: Um, there was a lot of stuff in the bad guy world that, uh, storylines that didn't get done. Mm. Um, so there was like a whole love story between, um, me and uh Patrick's character, and there is like a whole backstory of how Billy folds people into her uh world. You know, there is an, an extreme um devotion. Like her her people are not just employees. I mean, we talk about it in episode six, but that little like nugget of like how Billy came to be, how Billy recruits people, how she recruited me, there's a whole I mean, there's just so many characters in this series and so many stories that the that uh there was an a, a whole dynamic between Billy and I that that wasn't explored in the end in the series but um yeah, there's a I mean in episode six, I talk about it a little bit I say like uh you know, she saved my life mm-hmm. but so that was at was explored in in certain scripts and incantations of, oh, the, interesting. of the story. Yeah, that she, that I was like a homeless kid and that she, you know, that I was like very rough and very violent and she sort of brought me in and fostered those tendencies in me to do something that you find out is actually uh, ideological, you know, yeah. that we have a very um, strong ideologues <laughs> We're like... Uh, you know, we're, we're coming from a certain philosophy. I think Billy's coming from a certain philosophy. I'm just, I'm just philosophy Billy in this story. You know, I don't think that the, um, I don't think that the cabal that she's a part of the deep rooted thousand year old cabal that she's a part of, of the, you know, maintaining the status quo is something that I, with my backstory as like a homeless kid coming off the streets that was like robbing purses. Mm -hmm. Um, so originally, like when I'm uh, you know when I get into that fight in the car park?
0: Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> right at that moment in an earlier script, I, you know, Billy says to me, like, do you remember when this is how we met? Like, you were trying to steal my <laughs> in the car park. And and she basically recruits me. And there's like another there. Uh, there was another thing where there was like another kid where I end up recruiting the kid in it. So we like get, we sort of take wayward youth and and uh, groom them into our grooming seems like we're we're doing it for a bad purpose but you know from our point of view like we're saving people's we're imp- applying intention and mission into people that have energy but no mission mm. that's you know?
0: fascinating and I think so one of the questions I was going to ask you later which it seems like you've thought about this before, and I get what you're saying, and I hadn't thought of this previously. I was wondering if Casey believed in the ideals of Cross S. Nostrom or if she was just kind of acting in blind allegiance and gratitude and, you know, going with the family kind of thing. Um, and it sounds like it sounds like based on what you've just said, it's really the latter, you know, continuing to support Billy and, and this person who has fostered your growth um, as a person and given you purpose. Um, at the same time, I mean, do you think, do you think Casey understood Billy's real motivations and sort of the ideals of the organization? Because if she did, it seems like it'd be hard for her to be a part of it, given the, ba- given the background of the, like the homeless and everything.
2: I think when you are a part of an authoritarian regime that your allegiance to the cause is the primary, uh, like, primary uh, motivation and your inability to question the reasons for your allegiance are um, uh, directly related to how much you excel. So the me questioning, questioning Crosses Nostrum is, is secondary to me believing in it, which is what you need when you are putting together a, um, uh, like (sighs) that type of loyalism is not to be questioned. And so I think that, um, I think that i'm I've always been fascinated, you know, as to why when people declare allegiance to something that the that inside of systems that are not trying to um ex- uh, ex- uh, push forward the individual, right? Like, you know, Billy at the end says, now I'm Salazar. Like the whole structure is of the allegiance and that the individuals um, I mean, yes, if you, if you are participating in this, you, you incur incredible wealth, you incur incredible um, uh, material possessions, but ultimately at the end of the day, you're, I mean, we see, we see in, um, you know, Lennon, um, you know, just because I'm a street kid doesn't mean that um, I cannot declare my allegiance to the wealthy like you sure. see this over and over and over and over again and i think in my case in this story it is very personal but we we've seen over and over and over again through history this type of um you know this idea of secret covert non-democratic uh not for the people uh the uh, antithesis of communism you know an erasure of history uh and a uh, uh, prisming of power into the hands of the few like this is um it it was it was a very fun um thing to explore and was also a very I think in the end um my allegiance to Billy was pretty much um you know there's a simplicity to it it's not a, a, a thinking. It's not an academics game. It's not a thinking man's game. Being a part of a uh, covert cabal where you are willing to lay your life down for an ideology that doesn't benefit you, right. uh, you're definitely not right. supposed to. You're definitely not supposed to question that too hard. The okay. the, the non questioning of it uh, puts you in a position of power. Mm. I think.
1: That was amazing. Um, I have to say, I, I personally, I mean, one of the things we do on this podcast is we go into kind of these very kind of, we try to at least go into philosophical and moral and other kind of avenues like that. And I think that you just, the fact that you as an actress kind of, you know, explored that within the character itself and was able to, were able to, you know, pull out something which maybe you know people just watching the show might not necessarily like think of now i'm questioning i'm like do i not know enough about like communism to like really be having this conversation no it, it was great it was great though um to, to bring us back down to my to my level
2: um and by the way, communism is a sort of a a, a a tricky word because it's so um politicized in the last like 200 i mean in the, not two hundred, but in the last like hundred years. So, eh, communism is a weird word to use. I'm. I, it's more like we're talking about colonialist, um, like corporate co- corporate colonialist uh, white. Um, dominated power in the West, controlling the world. um, like european based history mm-hmm. and rewriting of history versus, you know, the Pan-American treasure. And this story is like an indigenous history that it, the the treasure is the erasure of the indigenous history and specifically women's history. And so I, I I found it to be really fun and fascinating that you had these two young women and then you had Billy and Casey, me, um, you know, with all the power and the money. And then you have like people with like almost no resources. And then, I don't know, there was a lot, uh, there was a lot going on in that dynamic that I found very exciting Um and, and, the more that the scripts that we'd, you know, cause we get the scripts as they're rolling out. We don't, we don't get like all of them at once. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is also why um, I just thought that whole thing about Billy and um, I, I just wish that, pan-american treasure existed i want to know what all the, i you know I, like i always think i mean this is like from a western perspective of it but i always think about like the library of alexandria i always like dream up what you know and and when you look into that you know that feels like that this type of treasure that we're dealing with a national treasure you know mm-hmm. it's it's not the um the gold and all this stuff is not even what billy even cares about it's actually the the knowledge yeah. the indigenous knowledge. True. Um, and so i think about that the library of alexandria is less about indigenous knowledge for me and more about like Mm prehistory knowledge it's like this lost and and you know religion came in and basically i mean that it burned because of an accident with caesar or whatever and Mm -hmm. he was like oh sorry about that but then like (laughs) um uh you know 500 years there was another a library there and then it took 500 years for like religious groups to come in and just like erase it all mm-hmm. and so I really felt like when we were going to search for it in order to destroy it just like the power of destroying indig- like the real history and how that like paves the path to to like owning everything mm. wow
0: that's that's deep. I love it. I love that specifically because I think that illuminates the example you just gave, gave with the the library at Alexandria. It illuminates how in some ways it can be tempting to compare what um, Billy and this organization are trying to do with like very old school versions of um, historical um, interpretation, <laughs> rewriting, et cetera. But then you have to think really hard about it. And it's like, oh, wait we kind of still do that in different ways. Um, and this show, I think, kind of illuminates that that dichotomy in a really interesting way. Anyway, this is Emily. This is something we're going to talk about on a future episode now. Note that down 100%. in our little notebook. <laughs> yeah,
1: amazing. Um, so we talked a lot about kind of the organization as a whole that you were working for. But, you know, Billy obviously was the main factor in this. Um, and so Casey you know, really isn't seen without Billy a ton in the series, which means that you got to work with Catherine Zeta-Jones like, all the time. Um <laughs> yeah. So, like, what was that experience like?
2: I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that might, I think the uh behind the scenes might have informed my, like, Catherine Zeta-Jones walks on set and I'm like, ah, who gives a shit about the the crossest nostrum just like protects Catherine. Like, come on. (laughs) Let's just protect Catherine. This is great. I'm just gonna like she's an amazing, gorgeous queen human that walks into the room and everyone's like, ooh. Like, (laughs) Like it's so fun. And she's she's so cool and she's um it was really interesting to watch her you know she's been at this game for a a while like she's um i think she started when she was a child i think weirdly on this show there's a lot of children child actors i think she was in on uh in plays in england as like a little kid and then she got her first tv show or movie at like 16 or 17 like she's been at this game for a minute and so she has this incredible um like um awareness and dynamic with the camera like there is a a very interesting she has a very interesting um knowledge and awareness of how she is being photographed and it's just a really and 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 i don't know going through and watching the series when i was with her in the room and then going through and watching the series like i it it, it was wonderful it's like a lesson she's one of the most incredible actors you know she's just like done highbrow lowbrow and she brings a certain gravitas to everything that she does a certain grace and i don't know it was uh i mean i worked with brendan gleason on mr mercedes for a long time and i worked with really really incredible actors on on mr mercedes and and unreal like working with uh constance and shiri and stuff and jeffrey boyer chapman um that's like my best friend so I I have to mention him he
0: came to the um, premiere right
2: yeah he did yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I know he came and we didn't get we we just forgot to get a photo together uh, so he, yeah no I was like you better come to my premiere um no Jeffrey is uh still one of my very dear friends so is Constance um but uh I I you know I like to see people do their thing and watching Katherine Zeta-Jones do her thing is really fun yeah no that's a very basic answer but it's just really fun i think when we when i first had that scene where we talk about um uh patrick brennan's character who dies and then we bring it in for the cross the snowstorm and just and just like the realization that we are putting our life on the line for this Mm -hmm. and that this is probably isn't the first person that's died that we've had and that like you know, you, you work together constantly, you're, you're, you're single-minded and then having someone just like die like that. Um, and then having to like go forward with it and just like the discouragement of, you know, I think in the story we've, she's been looking for it for 20, 20 years, you know, longer, 30 years, like it's, a very I mean the discouragement that we must experience and so I don't know when you're working a lot of the time it's a lot of it's hard to do like five minutes of tv mm-hmm. <laughs> but sometimes you have a moment and that that moment with Catherine when I did that and we were just sitting there and talking and we said cross this Nostrum," and then Elvis comes on the um you know I left that day of work being like I love my job <laughs> sometimes I leave and I'm like but sometimes you leave and you're like, I, I'm i a lucky, lucky human who gets to do really cool things. And that was one of those days.
0: That's awesome. I, this is, um, you know, I, I'm not just saying this because we're talking to you um, as one of the key villains in in this show. But I will say that I, having become somewhat of an expert in this franchise, I really think that Billy and Casey, like, they're my favorite villains of the franchise
2: cool
0: there's something there's something very deep about the characters and and this is the scene that you described where billy and casey are like talking about and and um commiserating over nate's death um it was the first time we had seen any sort of emotion out of our villains in this franchise and i thought that that was really interesting and then of course at the end when you know spoiler alert for listeners who Uh, they've listened to this at this they've watched a show at this point when casey dies um billy is devastated i thought that was just such a a a human dynamic that this franchise hadn't really explored yet
2: yeah it's interesting because uh in the series we did we we find out it it's in in nicholas cage's character the sacrifice that uh you you commit to when you become a treasure hunter at the expense of your family life, your love life, your, you know, and the whole, I feel like the whole movie franchise is exploring the, the love of the father and the son. And then, uh, you know, his relationship with his friends over this like preoccupation and obsession with treasure hunting. And so in this series, it's explored with, um, uh, uh the the other guys the good guys what are their names again uh, the, <laughs> the, the scooby the leg- gang <laughs> the scooby gang the scoobs the uh the legacy of um uh the daughters on, of the you guys are the super fans what are their names again no not the daughters of the plume serpent the uh the actual the, pro- the father Jess. son grandpa the, oh. Uh, oh
0: sure the sadusky
2: the sadusky the sadusky, uh lineage right mm-hmm, of like mm-hmm. grandpa the 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 son and then who And his whole path is all, and, and Jess, of course, her family, I mean, her entire thing of like her mom trying to spare her of, uh, this, this obsession, this preoccupation. So I think that it's, um, only fitting that we would see that parallel and mirrored from the humanity of, uh, the quote unquote, um, you know, and that we would also, you know, what, what have we sacrificed? Billy sacrificed her brother, um god knows her community like her whatever community she's forged i mean it's it's a beautiful sort of like it i i oftentimes think like you have to um at some point your sacrifices are bigger than your what you've gained you know and then you Mm. that's when you're really dangerous and you're willing to do anything Mm. um i think that um i think that in the story by the end, um, I feel like I know that I'm going to, to not come out alive, you know, at some point in the swamp, I think I'm, I'm aware that it's go time. Mm -hmm. My, my duties are, um, have arrived, you know, interesting. Um, I think there's something, there's a, there's also sort of like simplicity and like beauty in that, you know, sacrificing yourself like that for I definitely didn't know that I was going to die in the moment that I was going to die though, for sure. (laughs) I definitely, definitely could have like walked a little while longer. I (laughs) I know it was like, like, I would lost some blood, but like, man, take, take your, take the old dog back and shoot them in the head. Like, give me a break. Uh, (laughs) Seriously. That guy was like, but you have to see, you have to see Salazar be able to, you know, i mean i guess what we see right there is salazar is able to sacrifice everything yes true
0: yeah and that's why he was chosen Um, right because he can make he make and make the tough decisions uh, i think is what he said um but you know you do bring up a really interesting point about the fact that yes of course casey is one of the numerous casualties of this season of edge of history um and it does. I mean, really the
2: bad guy we eat ourselves alive. Like, yeah. It's really, I mean, you got to keep the good guys' hands cleaned I guess
0: <laughs> at some, at some. Point...
2: <laughs> Although they still broke people out of a Mexican prison,
1: I was gonna say, um, yeah, they all they all do I'm bad things. Like,
2: somebody, some. <laughs> there are yeah. some international laws somewhere that will, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we we eat ourselves alive, which yeah. it, it actually, really does happen a lot in you know you saw that happen in the cuban revolution and you see that happen a lot like god knows putin is like putin is who knows what's going on (laughs) who knows what's going on there but you know inside of these high power high uh places there's a ton of paranoia and isolationism and uh suspicion and these types of things really um there's a very live by the sword die by the sword um yeah realization
0: yeah i think that's really fair i mean every
2: movie like that like scarface is like he ends up just killing everyone around him
0: yeah i agree i mean and it sounds from the description you know casey really did end up dying doing what she was meant to do like this is her her part of her this allegiance this this family orientation that she has um etc so i guess would it be fair to say that you were satisfied with her ending as a character
2: i mean i i kept joking that at the end we just see um like we cut to and i'm like riding on a like a a a crocodile through the swamp or whatever um (laughs) (laughs) you see me with my arm in the crocodile um i mean I think when, I think when I go to murder Jake, Mm -hmm. um, is when I was like, oh, they're going to kill me on this show.
0: Really? Okay. That's (laughs) interesting.
2: I remember when I was like, oh, I've beat him almost to death and thrown him in the river. Oh, I'm going to get punished for this. I'm going to get punished for this. Um... (laughs) you know and billy gets justice so i mean the in in one thing about the national treasure things is um there really is like uh, as much as i mean the best thing about a bad guy is that you learn and know them i mean a best thing about all bad guys. i mean i'm i've been infatuated with the bad guy the bad guy is always my favorite um which is weird because i don't think i've been a oh no i was a bad guy one time i was on um what is that show uh midnight texas it's a bad guy on Midnight Texas but other than that like I'm I'm I mean I've I I, I've always been fascinated with why what people get out of behaving absolutely terribly Mm. you know like what what it means to kill someone for an ideology I have thought and think about it a lot. I have had some very uncomfortable questions with um like people involved in the American government around that, you know, because people kill people all the time for ideas. Yeah. You know, very very good people who kiss their uh, you know, children goodnight at night. Um then go to work and participate in in killing it is something and then the history books will tell us who's the good guys and the bad guys are right True. but at the end of the day people are still going to work and um taking other someone else's life
0: yep that is yep <laughs> not that, that much is, to say yep. about that except for your your observation is definitely accurate and it's i love hearing that these are different considerations that you know, someone like you will, will think about um in playing a role like this. Because it, it the, the, a character, I think, can easily be one-dimensional, especially when it's just like henchwoman or, you know, what have you. And, and having some of this thinking, I think, can be really, really impactful. But I know Emily has a question for you about a potential second season of Edge of History and your thoughts. So, Emily, I'll turn it back to you. I do. I feel like... Th- th- I might know some of your
1: answer in it, from what you've talked about thus far, but uh-huh. what would you kind of like to see if there was another season of Edge of History?
2: I really, really like the Lizette-Zuri. I, I always forget, I always like, I'm like the Liz, uh Jess and uh, Tasha relationship is something that from the get it was really, I mean, we, we, it's explored in the series, but like, I want to see them, like, I'm like, what the, what did the basis be? I mean, I want to go further into the indigenous history. I mean, I, like, let's go South America. Let's go like, uh, you know, let's go like, there were, I feel like there's a lot, there's so much story in the adventure of national treasure Um I mean, there's so many different aspects that could be explored. I'm going to give you like a non-answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. That's fair. You know, everything. Um, you know what? The 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 structure, it's so interesting that you asked me that question because the structure of the uh, National Treasure and the in the way that it's designed of like, um, you know, it's very exciting and it really like in this series, they sort of establish who everybody is. And then around episode four or five, it really starts to rev up and speed up. And so season two can start like, kind of like, the movies almost start halfway through. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so in this series, you know, you have to be with these people for a lot longer than you have to be with in a movie. And so I think, I guess for season two, like the sort of energy of episode six, like the the Alamo energy of like heist, 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 energy, energy. I'm almost like season two can just like start there almost, mm-hmm. you know what I mean?
0: yeah totally
2: and now you know when when you start in the series um nicolas cage's character is already already established he already had he's already got backing money uh financing you know the the who, who's the um the guy in the nicolas cage's like paramour in the uh not paramour um uh the adversary yeah in Ian. Which,
0: Ian in the first movie or Mitch the in the second?
2: second. Ian the is in
0: the first movie.
2: So he's very Billy-esque. Yeah. I feel like that was very like Billy. And so you start in where he's already made an alliance with him and is being funded by him. He's already like tied on to, he's already made a hundred compromises for his like search for the treasure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when we start with Jess, she's a kid she's fresh off the, like, we have to, like, learn and get to know this person, and so I think season two, like, Jess is, like, deep in it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So season two is start off, like, like, does she become a professional treasure hunter? Does she join the FBI? Does she, I mean, like, what do we, we what do we see in the last little snippets? Are those red herrings for the season two? Or are they, like, you know, where we're looking? But all we know is that Jess it has an undeniably untapped, uh, natural resource happening. So it's like, how are we gonna, and I'd love to see Jess be a little, uh, like get morally compromised.
0: Ooh. Okay.
2: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in the, yeah. in the series, like, uh, the, we sort of see that with the Sadusky family, right? The Sadusky family is like, even her, the son is like, what, does he hate his grandpa? Like, come on, ch- chill. And like, who knows what his dad was involved in? Yeah. And so Jess is kind of comes into the season one as like an innocent, and she does not leave that way. So I think it'll be fun in season two if, like, I'm always thinking about like the emotional storyline of the person as opposed to like the, but yeah, I'm like,
0: I love that. I mean, that's the, that's a, especially. especially... For a 10 for a 10 episode arc, you need some of that kind of deeper complexity. So I love that. Um, And now we're going to go from deep complexity to as we start wrapping up uh, a fun game that we like to play with everyone who joins us for an episode of our show. This is our national treasure hunt speed round. So I'm just going to go through and give you like a couple of short and like this or that first thing that pops into your mind and uh, can't wait to hear what you say.
2: All right, I'll try to be honest, <laughs> not completely dishonest.
0: You can Go for it. <laughs> you can play however you would like. Um, I'm be
2: completely dishonest, and at the end, now you won't know. Or am I being dishonest by saying that?
0: But, mm, see, you you play the villain very well. <laughs> okay, <Love>
2: Smart <First>, murder.
0: <laughs> first question. If you could play the role of any other character in Edge of History, who would you pick? Billy. Fair. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> what was your favorite quote or scene from season one?
2: Oh, my favorite scene is getting maced in the face and then kicked (laughs) in the chest that was a great day that was 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 a a great day that was like my favorite day of work my two-year-old watched that happen she was like one and a half and she was like over on the side and she was like and my 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 partner was like mommy's day at work (laughs) and then like kicked in the chest and i'd be like it's okay baby Oh my, oh, my gosh. gosh. Okay. I think I love that because it was, like, so savage. Yeah. I'm like, there's there's no quote on that. Um, oh, there's a horse.
0: Thank you. <laughs> I love well, – Emily and I just had a debate about this two days ago where I was like, that was I, – I cry laughing every time. He's like, dude, there's a horse. And she's like, what? It's just – I was like, it was amazing. Amazing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I definitely was like – I wish I also, like – I, like – my job a lot I really am like a fan of what I do and so there's a so much that like isn't on camera I was like so for real fighting in the Alamo like I there's like a bunch of I I think I like jumped over a bench and like pushed a guy to like there's a whole bunch of and there's some uh a guy that I worked with on Mr. Mercedes in the stunt crew that day so he was like knocking me down and we were doing all this stuff it didn't make the cut in the end oh. but I was like <laughs> on a full blast like action movie and and the the, you can kind of see it in the background but if you like look i don't even know if you can but if you look and you'll see me like fighting all these guys in the background like
0: that's amazing i love i I love knowing that oh my gosh okay what was your favorite set from the series was it the alamo
2: no the alamo wasn't a set the alamo is just uh reenactors Oh, and they couldn't get the um, actual, they were going to hire the Alamo, the actual Alamo reenactor guys from the Alamo, but none of them were vaccinated. <laughs> oh no. Oh, <Uh-oh. laughs> Cause you know, they're those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I was like, well, that makes sense. They have to get like local people and then dress them up as the Alamo reenactors. Nice. But, um, Wait, what was the question? I forgot about about (laughs) it. Your
0: your favorite set or, like, location from the show.
2: Um, I mean, I can tell you my absolute least favorite. That works. works. Okay. So, um, the swamp was, like, I would kiss my daughter goodbye when I went to work that day. (laughs) <laughs> uh it was absolutely bananas there is an invasive snail species that that when we got there uh, lays eggs that look like pink bubble gum and there's these eggs are everywhere right they're like bright pink bubble gum and one of the local crew guys was like guys do not touch that because that has a, a neurotoxin in it that'll like kill you and so the water is like covered in like uh neurotoxin like invasive species snail eggs there's crocodiles there's like snake wranglers crocodile wranglers and then giant crickets right that like so that scene where we get out of the car and like go and by the way it's like 140 degrees and people are like (laughs) the crew is like like I we like people were like passing out from heat exhaustion vomiting like it was absolute pandemonium. and then when I when I watch it it just looks like we're like in a nice park like ooh, like it's like beautiful and like sunny it was like absolute crazy uh heat like crocodile explosion the crocodile wow. crocodiles are awesome so they were like keeping their distance or whatever but like And meanwhile, I'm, like, on the front of this boat, not holding on, like, punting, you know, with with that thing for, like, three days straight. Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) I cannot even imagine.
2: Oh, my gosh. You couldn't even sit on the boat because if you touched the boat, it would burn your skin because it was so hot that it was – like, you could fry an egg on that boat. It's a metal – so we're sitting on a metal boat in this, like – and so these crickets were, like – they were gorgeous they were there were these gorgeous like i mean it was like wilderness explosion extravaganza anyway uh my favorite set. i mean i've spent a lot of time on that plane and we were like who in the heck has a plane like this seriously it was so nice and i was like this is like straight out of dubai mm-hmm. like she flew in from that island where like it's shaped like a like they built an island that's a palm tree or whatever
0: yeah yeah (laughs) totally very cool okay so now my last couple speed round questions they are national treasure movie callbacks in a way but um how many lemons do you think is the appropriate number of lemons to keep in your refrigerator
1: you
2: keep lemons in the refrigerator that's a perfect
1: answer (laughs) (laughs)
0: we'll explain that later Um, what is one word you would use to describe agent Sedesky?
2: hot oh okay
0: first time we've gotten that I love it
2: what (laughs) Harvey Keitel come on y'all you've never seen the piano fair (laughs) this is fair enough (laughs) really I'm like oh he's like naked that whole movie (laughs) that movie's like about like sexy uh I don't even know abuse (laughs) Woof! oh my gosh yeah that movie might not hold up but anyway he's hot Harvey Goodell is so hot I don't know like I'm not an ageist fair enough
0: what what is your favorite conspiracy theory in Riley's book so like favorite or most interesting conspiracy theory to
2: you in Riley's book or like in real life.
0: I mean, we'll just assume that anything is fair game for Riley's book. So, I mean, up to you.
2: Oh, 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 My favorite conspiracy theory. Oh. Oh, I my favorite uh conspiracy theory is that um uh the Sumerian uh that the Sumerians were actually um uh the Sumerian gold gods came down and they needed to mine the earth for gold. And so they uh, enlisted the help of the Cro-Magnum man and the Cro-Magnum man was like a pretty good worker. So they mixed up some DNA with Cro-Magnum man and made like modern human so that they could use them to mine gold and then f- piss off. I'm a big <laughs> fan of that one. I was actually wow. a Sumerian gold god for Halloween one year. I was I'm a big fan of that one I told (laughs) my mom is like an art history professor by the way which is like she loved like at one point the props department uh was like "Ooh, this is all they have but what are these and I was like taking photos and and, like sending them to my mom and be like mom we need help to find to like to find out what this is my mom would be like well that looks like the like 13th century Chinese like (laughs) it's like uh, yeah so um but anyway i told her about the sumerian gold gods and she was like got really into it it's very satisfying very satisfying they use all like the sumerian like uh, uh cuneiform to like uh it the sumerians have the cuneiform you're uh, like, you're asking the no, wrong person i don't that, know treasure. we don't know that. if it wasn't in that exactly <laughs> this is
0: the most the most coherent answer we've ever gotten to that question
2: um and the last I have so many too the other one my other favorite one is that the the um pyramids of Giza are uh uh were actually old um uh power centers to harness uh a a died out technology of harnessing sound for power
0: I saw that on
1: Netflix
2: love that one
1: I'm going to get into that one.
2: (laughs) That's a good one. Okay. That's a really good one. They have like all the, the, oh, that's, they have like a pitchfork. There's like pitchfork uh, tonality embedded into the, like into the pyramids that they've like used. That one's a good one.
0: Mm, Okay. Fun fodder for later. Okay. My last speed round question for you between the I'm two, really I'm very, really very good at it. This happens all the time, literally every time. Um, between the two National Treasure movies, which is your favorite, the first or the second? National Treasure or Book of Secrets?
2: Which is my favorite? The first one.
0: Okay, yeah. Was it... yeah, that's, that's Is yeah. there a different question that I could have asked that would have made you say the second one? Because it sounds like you were thinking there for a second. No. Okay, yeah. just check it. <laughs>
1: Okay. Well, thank you for participating in that <laughs> speed round. Um, <laughs> one moment. <laughs> She's losing it. Okay. Um. uh We always like to ask this question just to round out the interview for the final question. Um. What is one message that you have for National Treasure fans that are listening to our conversation today?
2: One question or one statement <laughs> like
1: a statement like a, a message a nice thing to say I mean it could be a question it's you know it could be
0: a mean thing to w- say
1: too. what I do mean, you, you what do you want to put out there for them
2: um I think that you are important to the Wibberleys who are the creators of National Treasure and in my experience of making things they love their fans and they love um, the engagement with the fans of the series. And I think that the only reason why this TV show even exists is because of the fans of the show. It is, um, it hit a zeitgeist and that is what is fueling its creation. So you are an imperative portion of it even existing at all you know it's not uh and and when the wiberly when you work with the wiberlies you can feel that from them that that support is 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 one of the primary kind of sensations of making these projects for the actors for you know catherine jones and Lisa and everybody involved in this most most of us started out as fans you know a lot of the like I mean I was introduced to it uh, coming into it but a lot of the people on this show are mm-hmm. primarily fans. And then so the 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 zest and zeal that you have as fans is what almost everybody on the show is also making the show with. I think.
0: That's awesome. Well, Brita, it has been such a pleasure <laughs> and a joy uh, chatting with you today and learning more about your yourself um but also about your character so we're really grateful to have had you
2: thank you so much for having me
0: these conversations never disappoint oh my gosh I
1: just I don't think I've ever felt more CIE in an interview than I did in that one <laughs>
0: Okay, for newcomers to the show, that means that Emily feels like she was back in our classic liberal arts classroom at Ursinus College, which is a huge compliment.
1: It 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 is. Um, it was just oh, it was absolutely wonderful. Um, if I had to pick, I think my favorite part from the interview would be kind of how Brita was able to humanize the villain in a way that was helpful but also not like excusing their actions I I I don't know I just thought that was that was amazing
0: you know I actually wanted to ask you about that because I know you haven't had the same admiration for the villains of the series that I have throughout watching and I wanted to ask you if this gave you a different perspective at all did it change your view of these characters
1: I think definitely a little bit. I think it'll be really interesting for me to go back and watch the series with this kind of view in mind. Um, And it also, you know, as we were doing the interview, I was thinking like, oh, like this information would be great to have, you know, like before having watched the show. But then I kind of remembered like part of what we have to do as viewers is to try to imagine people and characters complexly. And I think that's exactly what Brita, you know, brought to the performance and brought to the interview. So I think that that's kind of just like a call to me to do more of that. Cool. What was your favorite part?
0: Oh, my gosh. Like the whole speed round. (laughs) Honestly, like that was just like golden tidbit after golden tidbit. In that whole discussion, I don't know. I just loved hearing like the drama of working on the marsh scenes. I love that she agrees with me that dude, there's a horse, was just like the most impeccable line of the season. You know, all those little details. There, y- you can't go wrong. You really
1: can. I mean, that was that was one of one of the uh, I think top speed rounds <laughs> we've ever had.
0: Easy. Easy. I not. We don't like to crown winners on uh, on National Treasure Hunt, but I will say, you know, we gave Dustin Ingram the you know trophy of most haggises in an episode. I think we can give Brita um, most fun speed round
1: for sure.
0: <laughs> well, with that, we do want to thank Brita once again for joining us, spending so much time with us on the show, and answering all of our um, very broad. And probably more detailed and complex questions than she's probably gotten many other conversations about edge of history.
1: Yes. Thank you uh, so much, Brita, for, you know, being with us. If you haven't already, please go ahead and check out edge of history. It is now streaming on Disney plus the entire season is up. So if you're a binger, now is your time. Your time to shine. It is. Um, also, if you're not already following us, which why wouldn't you be, please go ahead and find us on Twitter and Instagram at NT Hunt Podcast. Um, and while you're at it, please, please, please do not forget to pre order our book, National Treasure Hunt One Step Short of Crazy, available at Tuckerdspress.com.
0: Well, everyone, we hope you enjoyed this special bonus episode and keep coming back. You never know who we're going to bring on the show next. But until then, (laughs) I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And thank you so much for joining us on our National Treasure Hunt.